You're listening to The Plug with Neil Griffith. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Plug Podcast with me, Neil Griffiths. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're doing well. Hope your week's been great. Happy Thanksgiving to our American friends. I had my first Thanksgiving here in New York this week, which is a lot of fun. It means Christmas is upon us. The holiday season is here and it's the best time of the year. It also means we're getting into the final month of 2022. We still have some awesome episodes coming your way in the next few weeks and even months. My guest this week is US dance trio Cheat Codes. Kevy, Trevor and Matt dropped by the show this week to talk about their new album One Night in Nashville which is set for release on January 27th 2023 you can hear the latest single out now which is called One Night Left the guys are entering new territory with this record because they're bringing dance and country together and have enlisted a bunch of huge names for this including Little Big Town Russell Dickinson and even the music icon that is Dolly Parton Cheat Codes have worked with a stack of enormous names over the years in different genres like Demi Lovato Afrojack All Time Low and Blink-182 legend Travis Barker we spoke a bit of about working with such different names and different genres and how we're seeing that more today in music. We also discussed how they got Dolly Parton on this album and what fans can expect for the next project. So check it out. Here is my full chat with Kevy, Trevor and Matt, Cheat Codes on The Plug Podcast. Welcoming to The Plug Podcast for the very first time, Kevy, Trevor, Matthew, Cheat Codes. Guys, welcome. Woo! Thanks for having us, man. We appreciate it. This is a, a slightly new um podcast for me because obviously we've been doing zoom for the most part throughout the pandemic but it's like one or two people all three of you are on zoom in different zoom so this is like a big work conference call and the setting i have right now is when one person talks you get the full screen so let's try and keep it formal and structured guys because it's fucking confusing How's everyone doing? I mean, I'm I'm based in New York, and you guys uh, played here maybe a week or two ago. But we just got on the Zoom, and everyone's surprised that uh, you have a new haircut. So, what what's yeah. been happening, guys? You said like it's been two days <laughs> since you've caught up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we see each other all the time, but we all live in different cities right now. So Matt's right. in Vegas, Kevy's in LA, and I'm in Portland. So you know, we, we we travel to do shows every weekend, if not you know during the week as well sometimes. So um yeah we see each other quite a bit but you know during the week sometimes it's like oh you changed your hair i haven't seen you in a couple of days what's going on so yeah you, you, you had dark hair a couple of days ago now it's blonde so i wonder what yeah. are you gonna are you gonna go for a color kevy or are you gonna stay blonde i might just stay blonde nice. I think, or maybe, yeah I, th- I think i'll just stay blonde for right now love it i, I usually always, always would have a color in but it's been brown for like the last like six months seven months since we finished the, the tour yeah, and once you go with the color, it's so hard to get it back to like a yeah regular, regular color, brown or blonde. Yeah, yeah. How have the shows been? I know you again. You guys played in New York. You've done a bunch of shows. You've got a few coming up. Yeah, yeah Dallas and Houston and uh, yeah. Vegas. Yeah, Vegas. And is that it for the year? Uh, we also play in Tampa uh, with the Backstreet Boys and Black Eyed Peas. Right. Okay. I know you just casually just said the Backstreet Boys and the Black Eyed Peas. That's pretty <laughs> it, fucking cool. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, that'll be awesome. It's a, it's a jingle ball, so it's like a, all, the, all the radio right. people kind of come together. Uh, yeah, so it should be fun. We've done those a couple times, and it's always it's cool because it's always like different artists from different genres that we mm-hmm. don't normally play with. So 
Yeah. Uh, we did the, we did the iHeartRadio festival in Vegas and we played like right before Avril Lavigne. So it's like those are cool festivals because it's we would never play with Avril Lavigne <laughs> unless it was something yeah. like that. It's yeah, sure. Crowds. We got to say, uh, first of all, congratulations uh, on smashing out this three-part Hellraisers album. It was done three parts in one year through a global pandemic, no less. So first of all, congratulations on getting that done, guys. But you've quickly bounced back into this new project, One Night in Nashville, which is it's going to be a fucking country album. I know that this was kind of inspired by you guys going on a trip to, to Nashville, but how did this happen? Were you going to Nashville with this in mind or was this completely circumstantial? Um, I would say it's a mix, a combo of the thing, a combo of the two. It's one of those things where um, last year we kind of, we stumbled upon making a country song with uh, with Little Big Town. We had this dance record uh, called Never Love You Again. And they, they really nailed the vocal and it ended up being very soulful and a little bit different than what they normally do. But after that, we were really inspired to kind of do more. And we've always loved country music and, and since we started Chico's, we've always wanted to, you know, do, uh, you know, work with any type of artist, whether it's country, alternative, rap, whatever. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of opened the door for us and kind of like, you know, was able to we were able to kind of build from there and make more songs and turn one song into a full album. And yeah, that's kind of how it started. And But we've also Kevin made a trip out to Nashville last year that he, he, can, he can talk about that more. But we've all been there a few times and we just love the city and the vibe and just just how, how the artists work and how the writers work and how. It's so different than L.A., especially when you compare like how, how music is made and how songs are written. Um, and we just really appreciate how they make music and how different that process is. And uh, yeah, and, and just the, the artists that we were able to work with were just so inviting and so cool to work with. And it's just a whole different ballpark than what we're used to. Not that not to say that the pop artists and whatever artists aren't fun to work with, but it's just a different culture. So, yeah. Who was the first person of the three to say who wants to make country music and how was that received by the others we already had like a couple of country songs um yeah. and they like trevor said they kind of already happened like by accident so it wasn't really brought up in that way it was more just like it was kind of like once we worked with lee bryce and we worked with little big town we kind of had some more interest so then our management was kind of like do you guys want to do more? Cause there's some other artists that are interested and there's some um, other songs that we could, we, we could work on that kind of have a similar lane. And we were like, Hey, why not just like see where it goes? We, we're not like, uh, like looking for any specific, like, end goal we talked about it. doing an EP. We we're like, yeah, maybe we should do a few more songs <laughs> and make it like a project. And then we did four. And then we were like, Oh, look, let's work with this artist. Like, and we had, we wrote more songs and we, so it kind of just turned into let's make a full album because we were just so hyped with how process was turning, you know, how it was going and the artists that we were working with. So, yeah, I mean, you, men you mentioned Mackenzie Porter, Russell Dickerson, Little Big Town, Dolly Parton. Woo! Who, who yeah. calls who there? Tell me how this happened. I mean, yeah, I mean, she's a legend. She's a superstar. So I think it's I think it's just a combo of like she's always wanting to, you know, hustle and work on new things and um you know, not just do the same thing over and over, just like we don't want to do the same thing over and over. So it's one of those things where I think we kind of met in the middle and we're able to, you know, blend her sound with our sound. And uh, yeah, so that's amazing. She's a, she's an icon. Matt, you mentioned earlier as well, we we're just talking quickly about, um, you know, acts like Backstreet Boys or Avril Lavigne that you guys might not be 
you know, put on the same page with. But over the years, you guys have worked with so many different people from different genres. You know, we talk about Demi Lovato or Cascade or Nicky Romero or Afrojack or Liam Payne from One Direction. Blink-182 are my favorite band of all time. You guys worked with Travis fucking Barker. You did a song with All Time Low. It really does feel like you guys have always been in a, in a different kind of box to, to your standard dance acts because you're doing so many different things with different acts. This album feels like the next step of that. Do you guys, when you do these kind of projects, is it uh, an inkling to work with a particular artist or is it something you're inspired by? Let's use the Travis Barker example, for example. Do you want to just get up and, and work on a, on a pop punk song today? Um, well, I think that we always wanted to do big projects. So during COVID, we just kind of had like a lot more time uh, to kind of finagle. And, and you know, sometimes when you're doing like a whole album, it's just so much more effort that goes into it because you're not just trying to make like a catchy song. You're trying to make it sound like a journey. You're trying to make like highs and lows, like slower songs, faster songs, uh, more experimental song, like just so it flows and it feels like a journey. Um, so that's kind of been the idea more or less like creating a project. So, uh, but yeah, we grew up on pop punk. So we did, that was like a really cool project for us um, to do that. And just hit up some of these artists and, and like when we're kind of diving into these genres it seems like we're we're finding out that they're excited to bridge the gap as well it's kind of mm-hmm. like they have that that inkling to step outside a box that they are somewhat stuck in as well and i feel like trevor kind of experienced that back in the day when he was an acoustic artist which is one of the reasons we started cheat codes is because he kind of felt like oh if i add a synthesizer my fan base is going to like destroy me like they're gonna hate hate me for that it's like stupid it's like does it you know so it kind of gives some of these artists um not like an excuse but like a branding opportunity to where they can make something completely different and and if their fans hate it they can be like well it was the cheat codes uh collab so it's not really us like you know know, it's like fun for them but it's like no no risk at the same time so it's kind of great Trevor, do you feel that way? Were you terrified that people might hate you for wanting to work with the synthesizer? <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I would just say like, as a, as a, like a, a writer and a producer, it felt just like repetitive. And I feel like a lot of artists feel like when you make a certain genre, you only have a certain amount of tools you're allowed to play with. You know what I mean? As a country artist, you feel like you have to, you know, have guitars, drums, banjo, like you just feel like, I feel like a lot of artists feel stuck in a certain box. And I felt like when we started this project, that was a huge thing not to, not to do, not to feel like we had to make the same song over and over and over and over. Um, so we just felt like we've always wanted to, you know, um, just expand and, and work with all types of genres and all different t- types of artists, kind of like you said. And um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it does, it, in the beginning, it felt a little like when you're, when, when I was an acoustic artist, it was a little like scary to kind of step out of the box. So with this project, that was a big focus. Here at the Plug Podcast, we only use the best gear. And when it comes to headphones, we use Audio-Technica's M50X Studio Headphones. They're a professional workhorse, but are also great for everyday listening. They've just dropped their 2022 limited edition color in a deep sea blue, which are the exact same headphones you'll see me wearing on all the videos we share online. These headphones provide an unmatched experience for the most critical audio applications, including recording, live sound, broadcast, DJ, and personal listening. They won't last long, so make sure to grab a pair from audiotechnica.com or your local audio retailer right now. 
you guys have kind of been at the forefront of, I guess, genre experimentation, if you want to call it that. In recent years, and I'm just going to stick with the pop punk thing because, you know, you said you guys grew up on it as well. An artist like Travis Barker, who has been working a lot with rappers and incorporating their music with pop punk or rock music, Machine Gun Kelly is a good example. Whether you love him or hate him, his last two albums have really kind of merged these two genres together where now a lot of new age rappers are incorporating a lot of fucking guitars and, you know, emo riffs in their music. Do you guys welcome that? Is that exciting for you? Or, or when you guys kind of experiment with these genres, you need to put your own stuff into what you're doing. Um, I mean, I think it's exciting. I, I always love the idea of people blending genres and pushing it forward in whatever type of way that they feel is cool or, or that something that they're excited about. So, I mean, it doesn't have to be for everybody, but I think it's cool whenever people are experimenting yeah. and blending things together, you know, because like, I just feel like the, the, the more the lines are blurred, the better and music should just be music and shouldn't have to be stuck in a specific box, I guess. So but I don't know what, yeah. what, what, what you think, boys, but yeah. Yeah, I think that, you know, we do like we kind of have like our circuits that we do and we're hitting like the same like nightclubs like over and over again. And uh, it's like they're going to have certain artists at those venues. Like, you know what I mean? They're not going to have rock bands. They're not going to have, sometimes they'll have rappers, but it's almost like it has to hit in a certain way. Otherwise people aren't going to come out and like drink all night. You know what I'm saying? So these rappers kind of did it in like a cool way where they're, they're adding these guitars, but you still have the hard hitting 808s and the drums. So you can still listen to it in a club. So they're basically uh, reformatting it so that it can be consumed in a different environment. I think that's what's, what's genius about it. You know, do you think there's a reason that maybe as more time goes on, more people are more receptive to that experimentation? You know, if, if 10 years ago, you know, Eminem jumped on a track with you know, the starting line or the used, it would be the weirdest thing in the world. These days, it's not crazy at all. I mean, Bert McCracken from the used was on James <laughs> Corden performing with Black Bear. I didn't think I'd be saying that in 2022. Right. See, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't surprise me because because Matt's been doing emo music forever. He's basically just an emo kid. Um, but I get what you're saying. I think it's just it's also like people just get sick of like what Trevor was saying, if it's too repetitive. So I think a lot of the pop punk stuff started to get repetitive and like it kind of died out for a second. But now there's like a whole new generation of kids. that are like, what is this sound? This is crazy. This is like so unique. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're sitting here who grew up on it being like, yeah, this is like what we grew up on. Like, and now it's becoming popular again. So just like music comes in cycles, you know? Do you think with, with this new album, this is something you guys are going to try and experiment with and try and not push on people, but maybe encourage them uh, fans of dance music and, and separate fans of country music that there is a middle ground here. Yeah, I think so. hundred percent. I think like, I don't know that. I feel like that's like the main thing that I get, uh, like like the one night in Nashville, like the title and and the concept part of it is like we can work in the studio and we combine sounds like you're combining like candy, or you're combining like peanut butter and jelly. And for us, it's just like creating a new sound like you're t you're taking two existing sounds and putting them together. And then all of a sudden it sounds fresh. Right. But as far as like the actual genres and where they live, it's, it's all about like the the type of fans and like how they're listening to the music and the type of venue and all that. You know, it's like. So that's when we went to Nashville and we went to these shows. We performed with Lee Bryce. We performed at Stagecoach uh, with Lindsay L, for example. And it's like, it's a lot more chilled, like laid back crowds. They're like drinking beer and like they're, they don't, 
care about getting dirty and they're not care they're not like all taking selfies like the entire time do you see what i'm saying so i feel like that's like the difference is like you're reaching to these types of audience that they're like down to listen to that kind of music in that setting so i think it just it just depends you know when you're working on these different sounds do you have names in mind from the get-go or do you develop what you're working on first and then go, yeah, hey, you know who would be great for this is insert name here? Um, it definitely, I mean, every song is a different process for sure. Um, yeah. Sometimes in the get-go, we're like, oh, we should make a song for like for this person because we just love that artist or whatever. But most of the time, I would say it's us just creating a song, creating an idea and whoever fits like kind of just comes naturally. Like a lot of, like with No Promises with Demi, like after we finish that song, like in all of our minds, we like, you know, when we're brainstorming, we're like, oh, the best person would be Demi Lovato. Like, we just think she would nail this if, if she sang it. And so sending it over to her and her fitting in, coming over and recording the vocals, you know, and it coming to, to, to life is, you know, a crazy, crazy scenario, but it actually happens. So it's one of those things where sometimes you just kind of make a song and you hope that this person would, would be down to sing it and that they'll like it. And sometimes it works that way. But sometimes, you know, you have to send it around to a bunch of people before you can get somebody that uh, that works for it. You know, sometimes you think it might work for somebody and their voice just doesn't fit or, you know, it just doesn't align with their release schedule or their vibe or what they're going for. So, you know, some songs are easier than others, but sometimes it's just really kind of all aligns. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to me the amount of times when, when I talk to different musicians about um, songs they've worked on with other fellow big names how often these conversations start on Instagram DM where the fuck are the managers? How, like, and how also, how do you know when you DM these people about the real deal? Like, how yeah, do you know, you know like, what's so funny is that yeah. like, just like a, a really popular quote from a lot of managers, including our managers is like, you know, I feel like you should just reach out to them personally. It's always more personal if you do it than it is between the management. And I, and it really is, I guess, because it just ends up being way more of like a, a natural thing where like, you're talking to them if they, like you're just vibing on the music like if they like it they, they like it and if if they want to switch things up it's easy just to communicate and there's no like weird tension that you feel like maybe you know things get lost between you know in email and translation and like sure. what this person like might translate to this person might not be exactly what you said or how you said it or whatever so sometimes it's easier just translating you know talking with that artist um so i i get it but uh yeah you know it's nice having you know sometimes our managers handle certain things but whatever has there ever been a time where you're like, I'm in a DM exchange with this person. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> There's been like situations where like in the middle of working on a song, the artist gets like two or three different managers. Like they get a new manager, they're fired. They get yeah. a new manager, they're fired. Right. So sometimes it's just better to talk to them directly <laughs> or they don't have any manager at all. You know, yeah. it's just like a whole thing. So it's like, you kind of have to, communicate on like the artist level you know like artists don't really like going through emails like i don't yeah, I'll, like, I read, I'll read them a little <laughs> bit but i don't really I'd rather, like, text or call or have somebody break it down for me so and also it kind of takes you out of it too if you're like talking all this like weird manager logistic jargon it's like no you want to talk like creative like excited like we could take it this is my vision you know what i'm saying <laughs> and then the artist like oh shit i see that it's like you could tell that to your manager, but they're not, they might not be able to explain it with the same like passion. And I don't know. Yeah. And even the, and even the creative process gets slowed down sometimes too, because sometimes, you know, like a manager wants to make sure that, that everything's handled contractually first or the deal terms are all handled as opposed to like, if I just send a, uh, an instrumental over to an artist, right. They're like, okay, let's go record vocals. Like now let's just get right, it done. Yeah. So I'll send it to you. 
and we'll go from there. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, yeah, there's definitely pros and cons for sure. I, I remember back in the day, it was like everyone was so paranoid that you never don't send your song to anybody unless it's it's 100% copy, <laughs> mm. copywritten by the U.S. Deal terms, like, Doug. Yeah, I'm like, wait. It, it, so it's like you're, t- you're spending months like on an idea before you even like send a, an idea around. But now it's like, no, just email it. It's timestamped in an email and like you can just go back digitally and like if they fuck you over, then. You have a time. Yeah. You have a time. I feel like people are more trusting now when it comes to just like, yeah, mm-hmm. just, let's just keep things moving and and we'll figure out the the deal after this. Everyone's stoked on the song. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and Trevor, to your point, what you said earlier as well, like working with different artists, maybe you know the if the song just doesn't work between the artists, maybe this the it just wasn't right. And I've had a, a couple of particular dance acts in the past as well, people like Steve Aoki or What So Not, who have said themselves, you know, the amount of unreleased music I have with notable names but it will never see the light of day because it just didn't work for whatever reason the song wasn't right the artist didn't get along or it just didn't work how many of those do you guys have in your back pocket a bunch so yeah. many yeah i could think of yeah there's so many just with like yeah like very notable names great singers great artists that you know a lot of people know and the songs are even really good it's not that it's like sometimes it's just like the the timeline doesn't work or like the vibe you're going for now doesn't necessarily fit or the same thing for, you know, vice versa for that artist or whatever. Sometimes we'll have a song, like even like a couple months ago, I remember being like, Oh, you guys remember this song? We sent it into the group chat and everyone's like, Oh, we love this song. Like, I wish we could figure out a way to release this with this artist. Maybe they're down now or, you know what I mean? So it's just, uh, you know, everything just has to align. There's a lot of things that have to work out for it to be released, I guess, you know? I feel like you guys are one of those acts as well. One of few acts who can work with such different sounds and make it work and make it your own. I'm sure if tomorrow you guys were asked, Hey, can you just make a hard out dance album? You could do it in a fucking week. Is there a particular genre or style or sound right now that you guys absolutely love and want to lean into more? I mean, is it the country sound? Will we get more future country albums or is this kind of just a a moment in time and what you're into right this second? Um, I would say, I mean, we've always been talking about what comes next for, after this country album. I mean, we kind of been talking about it since the inception of the country album. Like, what are we going to do after that? You know, because I think that's important for us to, for people not to think that we're just going to be country because that's not the plan or the goal. Sure. You know, so, um, um, but we, we definitely, for this next album, we really want to like take like what the cheat codes sound, like the very, the, the pop electronic dance sound and kind of really just go for it a hundred percent for the next project. And but create it in a way that's slightly different than what we've done in the past, where we, we produce it all in a way that's really meant to to hit in a live setting. A lot of the time we make songs that are just meant to just sound great, just in general, whether you're in a car or, you know, you're just listening to it, you know, at your house or whatever. Um, but we want to make sure that we can make an album that really, you know, really slaps and hits, whether it's at a festival or a, or a club or whatever else. So I'm kind of cr- blending that like that, that pop catchy sound, but with something that can hit a little bit harder than, than what we've done in the past. And obviously Hellraisers, those three parts were done in a year. We've got one night in Nashville in January. Future projects, are you just going to just just have a bit of off time? Maybe just do some shows and have some fun? Or are we going to expect a fucking dance metal follow-up by July next year? <laughs> I mean, we definitely want to take our time for this next one. I feel like we've been going so hard so fast yes. for like a long time and like we're kind of exhausted just from like the create <laughs> on the creative levels. Just, it's a lot of music, like between, you know, the Hellraisers albums, there's, there's 39 songs. And then on this country album, there's 
uh, 13. So it's like, there's a, mm. you know, shitload of music. So um, more than a lot of people release. And, and I think that we just want to really take our time with this next one and, um, and slow things down and make sure that every song really, really gets the attention it deserves um, and uh, make something that we're just really, really proud of and something that um, has a little bit more of like a signature sound to it. That's what we're really kind of focusing on. I think that because we've worked with so many different types of artists, we want to be able to make this album yep. very like when you hear these types of sounds, when you hear the songs, when you hear it, you instantly know that's cheat codes, you know? Right. And, and I, I do have to ask, I'm sure you can tell with my Australian accent, I have to ask for the people back at home, when are you guys going to Australia? I know I just talk about maybe just taking a rest and it's a 15 hour flight. So fuck that. <laughs> but when are you going to Australia? <laughs> Dude, good Hopefully question. soon. We've never been there. I know. We've been talking about wanting. We've been wanting to go forever. It's not. A, it's not a matter of not wanting to because we literally. You have no idea how many conversations we've had with our management and booking agents, being like, "When can we go to Australia? Like, how can we make this <laughs> yeah. work? I know it's far, but yeah. like, whenever we go to Asia, can we do both? Like, what is the process? Like, why can't we get there? Because I don't know. So many people from from Australia have shown so much love that it's just like it kills us that we can't go over there and we're it's not that matter we can't we just haven't gone over there so mm. we got to figure out a way to kind of make it happen i don't know we got to like really press them <laughs> is, is, is 2023 going to be a, a big year as far as live shows we do you expect to be on the road a lot yeah for sure as far as you know we just kind of got uh, some updates from our management about like we already are booked for like a third of the shows that we were booked for this year next year so it's already kind of just coming in hot so that's good well guys thank you so much for coming on the show i can't wait to hear this album and see you guys back on stage thank you so much thank man. you appreciate you having us peace bro thank peace. you this episode is proudly sponsored by audio technica australia subscribe rate and review the plug on your preferred podcast platform and follow us on instagram and youtube at the plug with neil griffiths and on tiktok at the plug to stay up to date with episode releases and giveaways